This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Over 600 human beings have been to space. Fewer than 30 have been to the deepest part of the ocean. Dawn Wright is one of them. In July of last year, Wright made history by becoming the first person of African descent to go to the Challenger Deep. It is over 35,000 feet below the surface of the ocean, meaning you could put Mount Everest in the trench and then still have enough water above it to submerge more than half of Mount Hood. Wright is the chief scientist at the mapping company Esri. She's been on the faculty at Oregon State University's College of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences for more than 20 years, and she joins us now. Welcome to Think Out Loud. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. I'm very happy to be here. I have read that the pressure at the bottom of the trench is 16,000 pounds per square inch. But I don't really have a sense for what that means. It sounds terrifying and, and literally crushing. But can you put it in perspective for us? I know. That's, uh, it, it's an amazing number, but it is really hard to, to really understand what that means. And there's so many analogies. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, one that I use for school children in terms of if you had uh, the Eiffel Tower on your big toe. Or if you had 25 fully laden jumbo jets uh, on your back, uh, that would be equivalent. Uh, Another really good analogy, I think, is the atmospheric pressure on the planet Venus is similar to the hydrostatic pressure at Challenger Deep. So we are literally talking about an alien world, uh, another world, but but it's our world. Hmm. What does it take engineering-wise to build a capsule and to put people who I can who survive I can we can talk to today to, to in a capsule that can withstand that much pressure what does it what does it take yeah we we I, I think the world uh, woke up to to this with uh, the ocean gate Titan submersible tragedy mm. in terms of what not to do and what kind of design uh, is not going to work I, the the majority of the submersible diving community in terms of scientific uh, submersible diving as well as commercial diving, uh, we have ascribed for, for decades to the principle of the sphere. If you, are, if you have people inside of a sphere and the submersible that I was in was uh, machined to 99.9% pure sphericity, that is what is going to protect you from those tremendous hydrostatic pressures. The shape uh, itself. The, sh- the shape is very important. And then the material, uh, Victor Vescovo, who took me to Challenger Deep, uh, he had Titan submersibles, uh, Titan submarines in Florida uh, design uh, the craft that we were in, and they used titanium uh, as the material. So we were sitting inside of a titanium sphere. And that uh, ultimately ensured our safety, our success. And uh, the limiting factor, the submersible that we were in, is often called the the space shuttle uh, of the ocean because it is one of only two uh, vessels that has been able to go repeatedly to Challenger Deep and back. Hmm. Uh, It's it's done this uh, dozens of times. Uh, Victor himself has piloted uh, the limiting factor to Challenger Deep 15 times. And I was very, very proud and thrilled to be the last person to do that with him. Hmm. I've seen you describe the descent as being 
in an elevator. It's like being in an elevator, which I have to say is a really prosaic idea. We, you know, probably everybody who's listening has been in an elevator, but almost nobody who's listening, probably nobody else besides you who's listening right now, has been 35,000 feet below the, the surface of the ocean. So the, the elevator, it seems like that's maybe what, what it feels like physically or looks like on some level. But what about emotionally? I mean, what's, what are you feeling as you descend? Well, emotionally, it's, it's very comforting, but it's also very thrilling. It's like waiting for the, uh, the, the, the climax of, of a good story that you're reading. Hmm. Because what you want to get to uh, is the crux of the story, which is reaching the bottom, uh, so that you can fulfill your scientific objectives. Now, for me, I, I went to Challenger Deep with Victor Vescovo as a mission specialist. So I really did have uh, a scientific experiment, or in the case of our dive, we were testing this prototype mapping instrument that normally implodes when it gets to 6,000 meters. And we had a specially designed one that we took all the way down to the bottom. So we were waiting with anticipation to, uh, over the course of four hours, to descend to the bottom so that we could turn on this instrument and see if we could get it to work. So, so in that sense, uh, it's maybe for, for people who are taking a dream vacation and you are, you're going to London or you're going uh, to, to the place that you've dreamed about going your entire life and you're, you get on the plane and you might have a 10-hour plane flight and uh, you're, you're enjoying the flight, but uh, the excitement builds uh, as you get closer to your destination. And that's what it was like for me. Hmm. This equipment that, that had never been used at full ocean depth. It's known as a side-scan sonar system. What is special about it? What can you do with it? So these types of systems, and they're called side-scan sonar because they're made up of, of two narrow rectangles, and they are positioned, in the case of the submersible, they were positioned uh, on the bottom of the submersible to send out scans of sound. And uh, they each look in a slightly different direction. And the, the width of the area on the seafloor that they are ensonifying is such that when those two scans come together, you get a pretty wide, pretty full image uh, looking in either direction. And these types of instruments are often used to find shipwrecks. In fact, uh, a cousin of this instrument that was made by Deep Ocean Search of France and Mauritius. Deep Ocean Search uh, uh, customized and, and, and creates these instruments. Uh, that particular instrument was used in the discovery of Shackleton's Endurance uh, earlier in 2022. So that's uh, the, the shipwreck in the Antarctic that people have been looking for forever and ever. And they finally found it uh, with the help uh, of this particular instrument. So we wanted to do a variation on that theme and see if we could get this instrument to, to do similar work uh, at full ocean depth, as deep as you can go, which for us uh, was 10,919 meters so these types of instruments are are used to find uh, wrecks, but they're also very important, very useful uh, geologically. 
uh, because they can uh, elucidate or they can show us where there are, are faults or fissures or, or major geological features that we should be focusing on, especially if we're trying to understand uh, the, the earthquake activity, uh, the landslide activity, any, any type of geological activity uh, in these very active places. And Challenger Deep is in a trench. It's in the Mariana Trench. It's one of the most uh, – it, it's, it's a major subduction zone – so if you think about the Cascadia subduction zone uh, off the co- coast of Oregon and Washington, the Mariana Trench uh, is is that type of tectonic feature. What did you learn from this trip that you think is most important? Well, one of the things that's important about all of the deep sea dives uh, that occur uh, that reach all areas of the ocean is that it, it's a it's a little piece of a puzzle that we're putting together in terms of the complexity of this planet. And I loved your, your analogy uh, at the outset in terms of all the people who've gone to space, and yet we've had a very, very small percentage of, of people, of, of scientists, of explorers, who have explored the totality of our own planet. How do you explain that? I mean, is that largely a technical question, an engineering question, or is it one of human desire, <laughs> that, that there was just more interest in going up than in going down? Yeah, I think it's both. Now, technically, we are a water planet. Uh, I think uh, most listeners have heard that uh, the ocean covers 71% of our Earth's surface, and water is not particularly easy to see through. Hmm. And the same types of instruments that have given us a full topographic map of the moon or of Venus or, or now my company, for instance, has been working with NASA JPL to release a full 3D web globe of the entirety of Mars. Those planets are not water planets. And so those instruments do not have to contend with seeing through water, which uh, disrupts their signals. Are you saying that, that we are already or are soon going to have a clearer picture of the surface of Mars than of the bottom of the Earth's ocean? Oh, my goodness, yes, we've already got that. Huh. Yeah, we, and we've had that for, for many years. We are trying with Earth, but with, with the Earth, we have to go a little slower with instruments that use sound instead of electromagnetic radiation. And that takes time. And it's, it's a lot slower uh, of a process to gather the same detail of data uh, for all of the ocean floor. So there are many of us, including those of us at Oregon State, who are involved in this United Nations uh, initiative called Seabed 2030, which is the quest to map the ocean floor in that same level of detail as we have for Mars and Venus and the moon, and to do this by 2030. But uh, it, it takes a while because we, we can't use satellites to get that level of detail. We have to go to sea uh, on ships. We have to use uh, mapping vehicles that are affixed either to the bottom of a ship or we do have many, many vehicles now that are autonomous that go off on their own and can collect this data and, and bring it back. 
but but all of this takes time. In, in fact, one analogy, another analogy for your listeners, when we are out at sea uh, on a ship and we're doing this type of surveying, we're going at about the speed that you ride your bicycle. So imagine trying to to map uh, the entirety of the uh, Oregon coastal zone, and and we have gotten to that, thank goodness, over the years, thanks to the work of Dr. Chris Goldfinger and others. But that that takes time if you're doing it just at the speed that you can ride your bicycle, which is around maybe 15 or 16 miles per hour. Hmm. I know that you didn't do your latest and I guess last super deep sea dive to become the first person of African descent to ever go to the deepest part of the ocean, but, but that's what you did. You did make history. What did it mean to you, and what has it meant to to people, maybe young people, that you've talked to? Yes, that was uh, something that was very special for me. In, in fact, uh, Victor Vescovo, he has been handpicking uh, people that he's taken to Challenger Deep uh, to to do science uh, and to do exploration, but also to to be symbols uh, of of these uh, great feats, so to speak. So as the first black person, it was a great honor for me. And as I was preparing for the dive, it was also during the time that Judge Katanji Brown Jackson hmm. was going through some very tough uh, Senate nomination uh, hearings to become the first black woman appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that really resonated with me and really inspired me and I think it's, it is really important, it's significant to be the first, and that is a way to inspire and encourage others, especially for, for little children or for young people, mainly so that they can see that something like this is possible. Uh, something like this is possible for them. It's not off limits because you are black or because you're gay or, or uh, just as your, your first guests on the show were talking about with the type of discrimination that they face. At some point, we do need to get to the place where these firsts are not necessary, but we are a long way away from that. So it's very important to continue to inspire and to uh, let young people see that they can aspire to do something like this one day if they so desire. Now, they don't have to necessarily go to the bottom of the ocean like I did, but, but they can aspire uh, to, to other things. Hmm. We just have about a minute left, but I, I, my understanding is that, that the trip we've been talking about was likely your last one to the deepest part of the ocean. What was going through your mind when you were ascending, knowing that you might not ever be back there? Oh, you never know. Hmm. You never. Know. <laughs> I never thought that I would get to Challenger Deep, and yet it happened last year. So I, I wouldn't uh, put that aside, especially since uh, Victor now is talking about a new version of the limiting factor. But, you know, it's pretty funny. We watched a movie on The Ascent. <laughs> we watched uh, Star Wars, uh, The Phantom Menace. <laughs> it wasn't exciting enough for you to be below all of us. Yeah. You just you had to watch some entertainment. Well, we had a, a three and a half hour ascent and we had done everything. Mission accomplished. Uh, Victor was tired. I was tired. So we just relaxed. Uh, all of the safety procedures were, were checked. We were on a safe uh, ascent trajectory, everything was, was going to go well. So we watched that movie it, and really enjoyed really, ourselves. It really was like you were on a plane. Don Wright, <laughs> thank you very much. 
Thank you so much. That's Dawn Wright, the chief scientist at Esri. She's going to be giving a free public lecture about her expedition this Wednesday evening in Corvallis. You can register to attend online or in person at oregonstate.edu. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC today. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust. Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford. Thank you.